Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I am Brad and thank you for joining me today. I hope your day is going great, your week's off to a good start. I uh, have a great guest today, really excited about this show. Adam West joins me. He is a career radio DJ, on-air personality, and we first met 30 years ago or so, I think, back in the 90s, or as the uh, the kids are saying these days, the late 1900s, and um, we, uh, he was a little further along in his career than I was at the time, and so he was one of those guys I kind of looked up to, you know, we didn't work together long, but he was one of the most positive people that I ever met at a radio station, so he always stuck out in my mind, and I've been following him for a while now on social media and we've kept in contact that way and he has one of the funniest pages I've ever seen you know it he makes me laugh without ever offending anyone and I uh I think that's a rare talent these days (laughs) but um you know if you've ever been passing through South Texas or Las Cruces New Mexico um He's been, and you've been listening to the radio station, you may have heard his voice because he's really been there throughout the years. He's also done voiceover work and syndication for other radio stations across the U.S. Um, Really cool guy. It's always fun to talk to one of my old radio DJ friends. I just enjoy talking shop with those guys, and I hope you enjoy it too. Here's Adam West. And I, I know we have a lot of radio stuff to talk about, right? Because now, yeah. were you the program director at KLUB when I started, or whenever you guys kind of came in and saved radio for Victoria? Or um... <laughs> when did you start? So I was existing there. I would have. It was right out of high school. I was right. A punk. I, I was I know. A, a punk back then. I know you were young. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I started like in '93. And I okay. think I left around 96. Well, I started, my first day was March 1st of 96. Yeah, we didn't have long together. No. Um, but I but I, I do remember you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I remember, you know, you guys kind of came in and you really did, like, save the town of Victoria from just really, well, what is now considered Yacht Rock, I would say. That was all we had was country and yacht rock in Victoria. Is that what it was? As far as radio went, you know, yacht rock. I thought it was more like a top 40. Well, yeah, uh, you know. it was It was a weird blend of like uh, top 40, but nothing too edgy. You know what I mean? And sure. uh, a lot of recurrent, like, you know, Peebo <laughs> Bryson and, uh, you know, 10cc, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Back in my day, we called that uh, M.O.R., middle of the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, it has its place, but it, it sure. just, uh, w- the town was really starving for a rock station, and uh, you guys came in and saved it. Well, it was uh, Aurora, I think, who actually flipped the format in December of 95 to okay. rock. Um, you were probably there when they did that ACDC bus trip and everything. Yes. I remember that. Um, yeah, and so I, I've i never, like, we're Facebook friends, yeah. Aurora and I, but I've never met her. But okay. she was the one that actually flipped the format. And then 
we just fine-tuned it to uh, more of a mainstream classic rock. Oh, uh, yeah. Once, once Jeff, our uh, general manager, uh, and then he brought me in. So, and yeah. he was there, I think, for maybe, I don't know, two, three months before uh, uh, before the end of 95, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I, our, like I said, our paths did not cross very long, but... I remember you being one of the more positive people in radio that I had met. Oh, well, that's always good to hear. <laughs> well, there's, as you know, there's a lot of jaded people in radio. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure ego has nothing to do with it. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do something now that I find uh, that is a unique skill. And you, your social media posts are hilarious without offending <laughs> anybody. And oh well, yeah. I'm just wondering, can you teach more people how to do that? I like, uh, just just try to stay away from politics. <laughs> yeah, that right. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't create the photos that I share, but I find them. So well, you are a uh, a master curator of good of good post. <laughs> okay, well, I'm serious. Like you, uh, you know, I follow quite a few people, and um, yours yours are the ones that I I kind of latch on to. And especially, oh, really? okay. you know, with all the turmoil going on, like I, I, I oh, think I to know, myself, man. this guy's hilarious and he doesn't get down in the mud either. Like because I'm sick of hearing about it. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just ridiculous. So it is levity. That's what the world needs more of. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that maybe you can hold a master class in, uh, <laughs> in levity in social uh, media. Nothing. Nothing to it. Just have to have a slightly warped sense of humor, but that helps in uh, with a radio background, anyway, right? Yeah, it does. And I really want to pick your brain because I'll be honest: like guys like you are why I got into radio in the first place. Um, I would sit around listening to old radio station or you know radio stations, and I would record the music and on the little you know cassette, and then I would pretend I was the jock. And I'm curious what like inspired you back when you know you were getting into it well um first and foremost it was music mm, when yeah. i was like 12 years old i discovered rock yeah you know i grew up listening to am and top 40 and there was a lot of rock in that but not real rock or what uh, we called aor right album oriented rock and so fm came along and that's when they started playing uh you know stuff like uh oh Jimi Hendrix and mm -hmm. the Moody Blues and Led Zeppelin and <clears throat> on and on. And I grew up in Detroit. That's the rock and, city. Oh, yeah. The Motor City. And um, the first rock song I ever heard when I discovered FM was Alice Cooper's I'm 18. Oh, nice. And, uh, and I was hooked from that point on. Of course, my uh, older brothers and sisters were of the Woodstock generation. So I was exposed to a lot of Beatles and stuff like that, too, yeah. early on. But I love music, you know, and um, especially all through high schools, as most of us do. Um, picked up guitar, but was never really good enough to take that very seriously. So hmm. I thought, well, if I can't play the music, I can play the music for people. How there about you go. that? <laughs> and then also, you know, 14, 15, 16, you're starting to think about what do I want to do with my life? And, yeah. Uh, Family members used to always say, oh, you have such a great voice. You should be on the radio. So, you know, I really had no idea. So I thought I'd give it a shot. And, and how did you get your first uh, break, you know, your first gig in radio? 
Well, I went to uh, college and I took any courses I could related to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I volunteered at the, the campus radio station reading news and I took creative writing. Oh, I've nice. always been, been sort of interested in creative writing. So I took those and some theater classes just to kind of learn about performing, you uh, know, a little yeah. bit. And then um, after about two, two to three years of college, just kind of general stuff i uh ended up going to a a trade school for broadcasting in detroit so they after a year uh of that they help you get your first job which is usually a complete failure and uh (laughs) the rest is history yeah well man you were in the what i consider to be sort of the golden era of uh of of radio you know when i oh oh thanks a lot well, oh, you mean the 40s? <laughs> oh, wait, that's the golden age. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to go there. I meant no, I'm just I'm messing I with guess you. where I was going with that is that I feel like I came in sort of at the beginning of, of this idea that I had of radio yeah. where the DJ was actually playing CDs and using carts for commercials and, you know, running a board. And that's sort of where I left off, but I know it has changed drastically, right? Yeah, yeah, it was already starting to become homogenized, I think, uh, back in the late 90s, because, you know, the 70s were real formative and experimental, 60s, -hmm. late 60s, and through the 70s. And then, of course, the 80s kind of became more and more corporate. Yeah. Um, But... I think that, uh, you know, to find true personality, I mean, we never really did. We were always music intensive at our station, you know. Right, yeah. When you worked there, and that that was the main thing. And the boss used to always say, you know, the music is the most important thing. So we weren't really, like, developing personalities like we maybe could have. Right. Uh, You know, you won't find any Howard Stearns or uh, personalities (laughs) like that on them on uh, any stations that uh, we were at. But, well, it, yeah, it's few and far between anymore, I think, in, in radio, it, right? Yeah, it is. And it's really, really tough to get to that level. But uh, it's just changed so much mm-hmm. since, uh, since, since you were there, since I was there. And uh, it's so homogenized and corporate now. It's Yeah, I hear they don't even really sit in the booth anymore. You're more like in a a meeting room or something and you're you just record i guess liners and little things that are going to get dropped in well it's a, it there's there's a little more to it than that there's a lot of voice tracking in fact i've mm-hmm. done a little bit of voice tracking too for other stations uh as you know we went through like 32 different ownership changes and um i'm exaggerating wow. of course but with uh <laughs> town square media who opened who owns the uh, group of stations now, Uh. uh, you know, they own, you know, hundreds of stations nationwide in small and medium markets. Yeah. And so they've set up a uh, computer network of sorts Mm -hmm. and we're in the studio. I mean, we're in the actual, the same studio that that you're in. Yeah. Just uh, with a few, with a few changes like more computer equipment and, uh, you know, central servers that hold all the music. So the CDs are used as a backup. Oh, I Basically. see. But I started in radio. I mean, we were playing 45s and albums. Oh, nice. And playing music that was recorded on cart. And then our early automation systems 
we're like uh, three reel to reel players huh. and you would literally have to record the music onto the reel to reel tapes, which is one of my first big radio jobs one summer was getting a station ready to flip a format and recording a whole bunch of music onto reel to reels. So wait, they would not, cause in my mind, when I'm thinking of like, you know, the, that era where you're, you know, playing vinyl where that's the format of the music, you wouldn't just play that live on air. You'd actually have to record that to the reel to reel and then play. No, it, no. When we were live, live, we would play, uh, records. Okay. Okay. But when we, we're getting ready to switch over to an automation system. Ah, you would have to have all the music on <laughs> reel to reel tapes. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, and you would have like three big reel to reels and um you know, you, you would put there would be little uh crossfade sectones on the end of each song oh, so it, yeah. it would trigger the next one. Yeah. And so on and then you would it had a a uh, rudimentary uh, type of computer system where you could program the commercial breaks. Those were all on carts. You you physically loaded the carts into a uh, a carousel, ah, you wow. know, and it would it would spin and pull up the next one. It would play the next one while that one was happening. The next one would would queue up. So that's it was, cool. uh, that's but it was done live. So that's what we would call live assist because oh. you're not literally. Uh, playing records and queuing things up, but we did plenty of that. Yeah, that that actually reminds me of what I used to do. My first gig was at this AM radio station in Victoria, KLPV. I don't even know if it's around anymore, but um, I got hired to run the religious uh, Sunday morning <laughs> thing, which is kind of ironic. But sweet. <laughs> what yeah. was that like on on the air at six a.m. or something? Yeah, and you were just running reel to reels that the these churches would send you with sermons. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's a yeah, it was a different time, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. That in the ball games. Um, I don't know if you remember John Wesling. He used to run the. Uh, the ball games uh, from the Astros, you know, that would come uh -huh. into that AM station. And he sure, would, sure. <laughs> that knucklehead, he would get on it. You weren't supposed to get on the air, but he would sort of chime in with the announcers with his uh, <laughs> sports radio oh, really? voice. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're going to, you're going to get fired. <laughs> yeah. I ran plenty of uh, ball games. Uh, yeah. Uh, for baseball, we ran, I worked in North Carolina for a few years and we carried Braves baseball and we mm. carried uh, East Carolina uh, football. So I've done plenty of that. And then here in Victoria, we were running the Houston Texans on club and uh, the Dallas Cowboys on kicks. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, yeah, plenty of board hopping. And one of my early jobs was overnights running the board for, uh, the uh, Larry King show. No so that kidding. Was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's cool. Back in the early 80s. So you were now were you running the board for him? No, well not literally. Oh, okay, I mean okay. in, the, in the studio, you know, as an affiliate. I got you. Okay. You have to you have to basically sit there and three times an hour play a local break. Right. Listen for yeah. the listen for the cues and then play the commercials during the local break cuz there was live was the only way to do it. Yeah. So. so you mentioned the overnight. I'm curious, like, what do you think, what was your favorite shift to be on in your radio career? Uh, I would have to say probably my midday show on yeah. club here in Victoria. You know, we mm -hmm. did the, uh, did the all request lunch hour, the Wiener Schnitzel High Noon Request Hour, oh, yeah. which was kind of a, uh, a staple, you know? Yeah. 
had the most interaction, I think, because a lot of people, especially with classic rock and around here with a lot of the plant workers and stuff, they listen to classic rock during their work day. So yeah. uh, that was the most fun. We had more interaction, I think, at that time. You were on the air, what, afternoons? So I kind of bounced around. I um, When Aurora came in, uh, and again, I was kind of, I was very young and cocky and um, thought that, you know, uh, the world owed me something. <laughs> you know, cocky? I, I don't remember that. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> so Aurora did not... Uh, she didn't really like me very much, I don't think. Really? And, you know, like, <laughs> so I was, I was midday until she came in and she put me on overnight. And um, oh man, at first I, I was my pride was just devastated. But I'll be honest, I think after doing it a while, I think overnight was my favorite because I don't know there was just sort of this uh, a little bit more freedom you know, with the exclusive audience. And I would get calls from the Victoria County jail. And they... Oh, we did too, man. I love that. That was my favorite thing. Cause you know, you, you would answer the phone, you know, one Oh six, nine. And then you'd hear, uh, you have a collect call from play Metallica Victoria <laughs> County jail. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. man. Those were hilarious. I used to always record all those, you know, and then play them back uh, with the song when you would play the request. Yeah. You'd, you'd play the phone or right before the song. Oh yeah. That was one of my favorite uh, ways to interact with the, you didn't really oh, interact. Sure. But it was a funny soundbite. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. No doubt. I mean, that's great. I've just... never heard that like in, in major markets or on other stations. Yeah, and in my mind, I'm just picturing, you know, these guys in jail just rocking out to 106.9. It was kind of funny. I think that's all they had for fun, you know? Yeah, but it's, uh, oh man, that, that brings back a lot of memories. It, it kind of makes me wonder, because someone told me this once, that no normal people call a radio station. And um, I don't know if that's true, but certainly for an overnight shift, it's... Uh, 100% true. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Especially <laughs> overnight, you get uh, the weird insomniacs and uh, people, you know, giving you weird stories about seeing UFOs in the sky or uh, who knows what else. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they're, they're definitely a, a strange breed. People that uh, they're either working shift work, so they're up mm -hmm. all night anyway. Yeah. Those are the more normal ones. But then you've got people that are up all night for. God knows whatever reason. Right. Just uh, creatures of the night. <laughs> yeah. Could be. So, man, kind of shifting. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shifting gears a little bit. You know, we're both music people. In fact, I think I, we had a few conversations back in the day where we kind of bonded over the music and how sure. great it was, you know, what you guys had done when you changed the format. And over the last year, we've lost a lot of, like, phenomenal musicians they've died oh i know and yeah. uh, i mean there's bill withers uh mm -hmm. neil pert yeah john prine even i mean eddie van halen um yeah yeah which uh was there one that stood out to you like which which one affected you the most probably eddie van halen because yeah. uh 76 77 78 i think 78 the first album came out when they broke on the radio i was living in detroit and it was big hmm. and it was like nothing we had ever heard before yeah you know and um van halen to me too is one of those few bands 
especially during the David Lee Roth era, that never put out a bad song. Yeah. You know, that's just fact. so good. And he was had such a, uh, a major influence on so many musicians. Oh, yeah. Um, to this day, I think. I mean, musically speaking, uh, I guess somewhat critically, the their best days were behind them in yeah. the songs, their songwriting. And, and, and he basically wasn't performing anymore anyway. Mm, right. But still, it's a big loss, you know, and then it just kind of when something like that happens, then people reflect and then they really feel the impact it had. Yeah. I mean, he sort of reinvented the instrument in a lot of ways, you know, like he, I don't think anybody was doing tapping before Eddie Van Halen came around. Well, not in, uh, not in a, uh, popular, uh, application, I guess there were, if you go back and look on YouTube, you'll find, you know, some of these classical guitarists and some yeah. of these old, old jazz guys that are just amazing, huh. but that stuff never really took off you know yeah really until eddie brought it back into the spotlight people really didn't think about it that much huh i I hadn't thought about that that he probably picked that up from the classical guitarist he may have he may have but if if you see any interviews or read anything about him he always talks about uh, eric clapton being his biggest influence oh really eric eric was never a a tapper no in fact you know it's blues based yeah when you think of if I were to guess, I would not have guessed Eric Clapton to be an influence because their styles are very much different. Exactly. You know, uh, to put it in jazz terms, I kind of think of Eddie as more like a Miles Davis, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can see that. I'm I'm getting it wrong. He's more like a Coltrane. He's like trying to play as many notes (laughs) (laughs) playing all the, and, and Clapton is more like Miles where it's, it's very subtle with him, at least from my limited musical knowledge yeah subtlety um something that that uh i think is more song based than solo based i guess if you could put it that way right yeah but uh yeah yeah i can see where eddie could be more like uh uh one of the uh, a freeform jazz type artist <laughs> yeah he not played... necessarily uh not necessarily let's see how fast i can play these notes but uh you know it always made sense and even if it deviated from the mm-hmm. melody a little bit then he always came back to it and it always stayed within that framework of the song you know yeah um i wonder with you know the kids today <laughs> we can say that we're, we're at that age oh, we can say that um, i like kids today oh well you're a kid yourself what are you talking about <laughs> i i'm almost 47 i don't know i don't I feel like the same guy, but when I look in the mirror, I'm like, who is this old dude staring back at me? But uh, hey, let, me ask, let me ask you this. Do you have any grandchildren? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, then. Case closed. <laughs> but, okay, well, I won't say kids. I'll say the, the younger generation today. I know. It, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know what you're saying. So they have the world's music library at their disposal, right? Right, It's right. just in the palm of their hands. <clears throat> Do you think that they have a benefit over us whenever we were like saving our allowance to go buy that one album? Or do you think it's we had it better because you really got to know a record back in that day? Well, now that's uh, an interesting point because that's 
that's a double-edged sword really yeah, yeah the kids having the access to everything that's out there and everything that has ever been recorded basically yep um but i think it's also shortened attention spans in mm. a lot of ways and back in my day radio stations especially rock formats were more artist driven nowadays especially chr top 40 popular mm. formats are all song driven Huh. That's why there's so many one-hit wonders. You know, you could play uh, Tom Petty as a core artist, and yeah. he's got, you know, how many zillions of great songs, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, I'm just guessing here, maybe half of them were hits, but right. you, you could play deeper cuts, and, you know, it's Tom Petty, it's great, you know, yeah. it, it's Neil Young, it's Led Zeppelin, it's it's Van Halen. You could go deeper. Those mm -hmm. were artist-driven formats back in the day and that was more important i think especially in helping develop artists for longevity uh, that's interesting than it, is, than it is today you know how many of these uh artists are out there uh and end up just being one hit wonders yeah we could have an eddie van halen out there right now but there are yeah if you ever just you know scroll through youtube i mean there's a zillion amazing guitar players out there yeah i think and Oh, go ahead. It's probably a glut, actually. You know, now that <laughs> now that a lot of people don't even need to go through record companies and promoters and can just start distributing their own music and getting a following on the internet, uh, it's probably harder. Huh. I to wonder. Make a living. Yeah. Is it a blessing or a curse to have I this much accessibility? Right. Uh, it's it's both. I yeah. mean, look at podcasts. Oh yeah. For example. You know, used to be there weren't that many and mm -hmm. you could find your niche, whatever subject matter, whatever you were looking for. And now there's there's just wait. You can't count them all. You can't find them all. Last time I checked, it's over a million at this point. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So how do people find how do people find you, for example? How long Man. have you been doing a, doing this podcast? Uh gosh, that's a good question. I honestly I have so much fun with it. I've sort of lost track of time. <clears throat> um july of i want to say 2018 i think is okay. when i launched it and yeah i mean it's uh there's a saying it's called screaming into the void <laughs> where, right exactly you know it's yep, yep, the, yep. the the love the, the barriers of entry are so low right now you know you can record a podcast on your phone if you want to um, yeah absolutely and so yeah and that technology has has improved so much over the years yeah so yeah it's uh it's I mean, I, I will post on social media, but I'm I'm kind of a caveman when it comes to social media marketing. I know almost nothing about it, but uh, that's how they say you have to do it. I really don't like that. They say, and I hate this rule, but they say you need to promote more than create. And I, I, I I'm with you on that. I do uh, freelance freelance voice work. Oh, nice. Uh, I I, re could... I retired from radio in uh, November of 2019. Okay. And I've been doing freelance voice work since then. While I was at the station for a number of years before I left, I was still doing freelance stuff. Just, yeah. you know, after all the work was done and you could spend an hour or two in the uh, studio. And sure. Our studio had great acoustics. And oh, yeah. Great equipment. Um, so I, I established it at that point. But then I'm now uh, doing that. Full-time, well, part-time, full-time, I mean, yeah. uh, since I'm not in uh, uh, actual radio now, now mm -hmm. I can just listen to it as a listener. But I'm doing freelance stuff at home, but 
Uh, yeah, again, I'm hearing the same things about promote, promote, promote. I'm not really into it, like to try to make six figures. I mean, yeah, that'd be great. But, yeah, uh, that's not really very realistic. I just want to supplement a little bit of income, you know. And oh yeah, so no, that's uh, a that's a perfect fit for you because you have such a great voice. Oh well, thanks. Yeah, I'm sure you've <laughs> I'm sure you've heard that a few times. <laughs> well, you do too. Well, yeah, that's why I got into the business to begin with because. Yeah. Uh, See, that's funny. I don't really think I, I do. I just, um, I think a lot of people, when they hear those, the sound of their recorded voice, they kind of cringe. And um, yes, absolutely. it takes some getting used to. Yeah. Sure. And so I just, um, I guess I had enough uh, blind pride to where I was like, well, if everybody <laughs> hates the sound of their own voice, maybe mine's not so bad. And I'm just okay. going to, and I'll pretend it's good. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel now? Do you think you uh, still. You know, I like your voice now. I think we're all like our worst critics on that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but after after a number of years, it's like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if I like it or if I'm just numb to um, not liking it. Yeah, I, I suppose. So. <laughs> I don't know if there's a difference there, but. But but voices in radio, too. You know, when I was coming up, you had to have a radio voice now, or at least there was a a long phase of uh, where, especially in on a rock format, they didn't really want a traditional radio voice. They hmm. want people to be conversational. Right. So it didn't matter. I mean, you hear some voices that are not traditional radio voices on the radio these days. So That's true. Yeah. So that's kind of evolved a bit too, I suppose. Yeah. There's no Wolfman Jacks out there anymore though, unfortunately. Well, there are, but really, uh, I'm sure there are some. Well, yeah. yeah, he's probably yeah. Got there's a, a few of them out there. <laughs> there's a few of them out there. It depends on the formats that you uh, listen to. There's a guy I follow on Facebook. I can't think of his name, but uh -huh. he's on some high energy AM station in New York City, and he's always posting these little vids where he's uh, he's doing you know uh, intros to songs, doing the uh, the talk up, you know, and posting onto the side. You know, very creative. It's like you would have heard back in the in the late '60s and okay. '70s on AM radio. It's you know, it's a lot of fun. And you can also hear a lot of these legendary guys that do that same thing that came up doing that on yeah. like Sirius XM. Oh, that's cool. You know, 60s on 6 and 70s on 7, if you ever listen to those. Okay. So that's there is still sometimes. some uh, theater of the mind going on out there. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. It's not totally, you know, homogenized yet. Yeah, there are, there are corners. Mm. Let's put it that way. There are corners where you can find that stuff. Yeah. And depending on... Uh, Probably, uh, you know, independent station owners in smaller markets where they give you the freedom to be yourself and do whatever you want and not have to uh, follow a rigid corporate playlist or something. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get uh, lectured occasionally for deviating from the playlist. I'll be honest. Not by me, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was the guy that preceded or was before you, uh, Mark Rubel. I don't know if you remember that guy, but I uh, never met him. Oh man, he used to. I I would just sometimes change the order of the songs because I'm like, well, this song really will like you. I was gravitated towards this not because um, I you know had like a lot of comedic skills or anything, but I loved music and I loved talking about it. And so I would rearrange the playlist because this particular song will segue perfectly into that that next one. And sure. he had he had problems with that. He's like, play them in order. 
<laughs> okay, man. Yeah, supposedly there's a formula to, uh, you know, building tempo and then backing it down and then building it back up again. Uh, we had, especially on the uh, on the top 40, the CHR format. Oh, you know, yeah. That, that was especially important. And then there was a big deal about, is it okay to play two female artists back to back? Oh, or, wow. <laughs> you know, alternating, especially in country, because there were a lot of... Oh, man. Uh, female artists in country music and country music is such a hard format for me anyway like the songs were you're looking at what three minutes four minutes tops right and you're doing 12 in a row or whatever and uh it, it's kind of like just being a, a rabid squirrel in the studio trying to like uh, i just remember when we went to the classic rock format like being able to like relax a little bit <laughs> you know what i mean actually have time to go to the bathroom yeah <laughs> You know? <laughs> while Freebird was playing. There you go. Yeah. That were some iron butterfly, you know. You... <laughs> go get a <Yeah>. sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I'm going up to the store to go get some beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is before the days of DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> right. So man, one of the things that uh, I miss about life before COVID is live music. And um Oh God, yeah. Tell me about it, man. We had tickets. Uh, to go see Foreigner in Houston. We were planning a whole weekend, hotel, the whole nine yards, and then they canceled the damn tour. Oh, man. And that's a, that's one of the bands that I've wanted to see for, you know, decades. Yeah. It, it, now, they still have all the original members, right? No, they've replaced a few members, but okay. they still sound like the original band in a lot of ways. Their lead vocalist really is very, very close to Lou Graham, the original. Okay. Singer. That's cool. But yeah, uh, it's just, and I know I, one of my coworkers told me, oh, I went to a, a concert the other day. I thought, okay, you're brave. <laughs> like I, yeah, I know I love <laughs> I know. live music because I kind of, I hated crowds before COVID, but I would, me too. <laughs> I would tolerate them for live music, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you're going to see your favorite band, I mean, there's no experience like that. Yeah. I don't know. What, what are some of your favorite concerts throughout the years? Well, well, I got to see Van Halen actually twice. Oh, I saw wow. them after their first album debut. Oh, man, uh, you saw them in the prime. In their prime. Oh, man, they were so good. That was the best band. Actually, before that, the best band that I enjoyed the most was Jethro Tull. Oh, Before nice. that. And then Van Halen came along, and then Van Halen has replaced that as the best band I've ever seen live. Yeah. I saw them in Detroit on their very first tour. And then wow. in um, uh, with Sammy, like 1990. Okay. I want to say uh, I was living in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So I saw mm -hmm. them in El Paso huh. with Sammy. And again, even though it was Sammy and not Dave, they were still the best band I'd ever seen live. I mean, they were just the sound, the production yeah. was just amazing. Of course, like I said, you know, Van Halen, I basically loved every song they ever put out. So that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it seems like the I, Van Roth uh, era probably was, I don't know, better. Uh, but there, there's still I, some yeah. great stuff that came out of the Van Hagar era. Absolutely, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Some great songs, but with David Lee Roth, it, it was the whole package. It was attitude. It was lyrics. Such a you know? showman, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think for they sure. were even talking about a reunion at some point. You know? They were. I think they were getting ready. They mm -hmm. were planning or working on putting together a, another tour before uh, Eddie died. Yeah, it's tragic. 
but besides Van Halen, um, Jethro Tull, let's see, I got to see Frank Zappa. He was really good. Oh, wow. Um, there were a lot of them. Yeah. There were a lot of them. Uh, well, being in radio, also, you're, you're on the, you're in the know. You get to go to shows that other people, or maybe, you know, sometimes you get comp tickets, you know, you get a lot more opportunities. Yeah. Funny story though, before I decided to go to broadcasting school, the summer right before that, I worked uh, in the promotions department for uh, WABX, which was uh, uh, my influential Detroit rock radio station. Okay. And so we would go to concerts. I would actually dress up in the dog suit and go to concerts <laughs> and pass out bumper stickers. But we would go see, you know, whatever, whoever was in town. At the time, though, it was like, well, you know, when stuff gets overplayed, you start going, oh, that sucks because you hear it all the damn time, right? right. So it was like, uh, you know, Journey and Rush. And I mean, all the big all the big bands in the late 70s. Uh, so me and my best friend, we both worked in the promotions department. We would go to these concerts. And before the band came out, we would pass out bumper stickers to the crowd. And then we would leave because we'd be like, who wants to hear Journey? They suck, you know? Or... <laughs> so you're like turning down, like, eh, I got better. Yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah, we got into the venue and, you know, there's 30,000 people there. We're passing out bumper stickers and the yeah. band's coming on. Okay, let's go. <laughs> but then years later, you go, you know what? Those are really some great songs. And so I've kind of rediscovered a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. You mentioned uh, Frank Zappa a minute ago. And um, yeah. he is someone I'm fascinated with, but I, I'm not well versed on his catalog because, you know, I honestly like I haven't quite I don't think been ready for it mentally because he's a he was on a different playing field than I think oh, everybody yeah. else. Have you yeah, seen that documentary about him? The most recent one? Uh, where was it? It's it's fairly recent. I want to say the last year or so. I um, saw like a uh, it may have maybe it was an episode of Rock Legends or something. Hmm. Yeah, this one's he, a full-length motion picture. No, I haven't um, seen that one. I'd yeah, love it, to though. I watched the trailer and I was I was just like, man, I need to brush up on my Zappa and then watch this documentary. <laughs> it looks apparently I didn't even know this. He ran for pre or wanted to. He was about to run for president at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. Maybe that was a joke. I don't it, know. It might have been because you know he. It seems like his uh, whole life was sort of like performance art. You know what I mean? Yeah, in a lot of ways, and his. Uh, his music was so non-traditional, you know, yeah. you, you almost couldn't even categorize it. Uh, but there's a couple of albums. If you want to discover at least what I would consider probably the more mainstream, mm -hmm. uh, easily followable Zappa. Yeah. Uh, there's two albums. One is Overnight Sensation and the other one is... Um, uh, apostrophe, ah, yeah. Overnight okay. sensation and apostrophe. Those so are the two I would recommend. That's where you start, right? If you're a total, yeah, okay, yeah. Unless you want to get into the more freeform, strange uh, aspect of it, that's kind of yeah. I tend to work really, my really out there. You know, this stuff was more uh, on, for example, on the album Overnight Sensation. Well, and on apostrophe too, there were songs that were actually played on FM rock radio. Huh as singles in Detroit. Okay. So. I can't imagine anybody like Zappa getting airtime now. I don't know. Right. I know, right? <laughs> it just wouldn't happen unless it's like a college station or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, and I think that that's one of the reasons why discovery of music on uh, the internet is uh, has gained momentum too, because you can find artists that you aren't normally exposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, especially maybe in certain age groups, I know like when we were in high school, it's like, it's uncool to like BTO. It's uncool right. to like uh, sticks, you know, or journey. So, you yeah. know, you, you could find less mainstream artists and discover some really great stuff. I mean, like I said, there are tons of just amazing guitar players out there Yeah, that uh, are releasing their own stuff on their own websites and they don't need record companies yeah, or, yeah. or radio airplay. That's true. I mean, uh, I know Radiohead um, years ago, uh, I don't know if they got dropped from their label or what the, what the story was, but essentially they decided to put the record out themselves and they just allowed people to pay what they wanted. And, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and they actually made more money off that record than all their other, you know, proceeds <laughs> combined. That's amazing. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's I guess it's easy when you're a band like that. I mean, you have notoriety. Yeah, um, they had a following already. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's uh, yeah, it's interesting to see how, you know, the digital format is changing the whole thing. Yeah, and with streaming, I know artists are, you know, they're getting screwed in a lot of ways. They are. It's or I mean, what do they get paid like a fraction of a cent per something like that? Stream? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous. And I wonder where all this money's going. Is it back to the? Are the record companies the one taking all of it? Like, is it the licensing? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably all the uh, all the overhead, the record companies, the yeah. promoters, the. Uh, you know, the managers and on and on. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I don't know enough about it to really give you an answer on that, but yeah. uh, that's my guess. Yeah. I recently uh, replaced my old record player. It had been out of commission for a while and um, getting all those old records out of the, you know, the closet, it was like reuniting with old friends. I mean, I had listened to these oh, songs, sure. you know, but it was just, you remember the day you went to the record store and you bought that Tom Petty record. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, yeah. It, that, that experience just seems to be fading. Like It is. It is. Uh, <clears throat> one thing I've discovered. Well, I, I used to have a huge record collection hmm. and I lost it basically. Oh, uh, no. But, uh, I now have a huge CD collection. Yeah. So I was able to rediscover. And one of the things like through Amazon, I found a lot of older stuff that I never had on vinyl, you know, and a lot of it's being remastered too. Yeah. So it uh, sounds really good. For um, the first time ever, I think last year, vinyl sales outpay CD, which I yeah, think is exciting. Yeah. That's good, good news to hear. I think it is. And I know, you know, uh, audio quality wise it is better yeah but you know you have to really get into a, a high-end system true and who's got the money for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> or the space you know my dad was like hey i need to get rid of this uh you know he had this like uh just huge um you know cabinet of just you know yeah. you know the thing uh, the big yeah wooden. yeah and uh he was like you speakers want the size of a buick yeah <laughs> And it sounds great, right? But he's <laughs> right, like, right. hey, Brad, you want this thing? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I just don't have the space, you know? And it's, uh, I think we've tr- we've traded convenience over fidelity. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I told him high fidelity is kind of a thing of the past, <clears throat> unfortunately. 
that's true. Uh, I think a lot of companies and there are even some songwriters and producers that are trying to take some of that digital music and improving it mm -hmm. and re-releasing it, you know, with, with remastered versions. Yeah. Yeah. So it's some of that's out there. Uh, you know, when you download it as an MP3, I don't know how much of that quality you're really getting back. Yeah. But uh, it's not, you know, it's not horrible. Right. Some, some of it's not horrible. I mean, I've bought CDs that were not remastered and were uh, originally released in, you know, early 70s that sound better huh. than some of some of the later, you know, digital to digital stuff that's uh, yeah that was done in the 90s or the 2000s, you know. No, that's true. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, so it, it varies. Yeah, it varies a lot. <laughs> and again, like you said, it goes down to what you're listening to it on. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're popping in earbuds, you're probably not going to notice the difference between a, a CD and MP3 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Well, man, I really uh, appreciate you for for showing up today. This has been fun to take a, a trip down memory lane. I, I I love thinking about my radio days and uh, all all the cool people I used to hang with. <laughs> yeah, it's always a lot of fun. I mean. Who wants a job where you're uh, stacking boxes or working in a factory? You know, you might as well do something you can be passionate about. So exactly, you won't get rich uh, for the most part unless you're Howard Stern. But uh, right, yeah, it's a, definitely a love. People are amazed when I tell them like what I used to make as a as a uh, DJ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but how do you survive? Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, right, exactly. Well, man, I, you're one of those people, and I know I've bugged you on social media about it before, but I would uh, really love for you to have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think it well, would be so cool. Funny story. Uh, I've actually thought about it, and I wanted to pick your brain mm -mm. about getting into it. You know, I, uh, I think you'd be great at it. I think you've got lots of stories to tell. and uh, Yeah, maybe so. Nah, for sure. <laughs> I, mean, I was actually trying to – I was thinking of something – a little more specific that might be marketable. Well, that's what they say to do, right? Is to be uh, right. very specific in your niche. Mm -hmm. um, I have not uh, followed that advice at all. Um, well, no. <laughs> mine, this thing is just sort of a creative sandbox for me. But yeah, if you... Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, not if... Uh, as long as you're not looking to monetize it. <laughs> I mean, you're doing great. it for your own enjoyment, so that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, we'll uh, we'll talk some more about uh, podcasting here uh, off the air. That way, we don't get too much competition. You know, I don't want uh, you exactly. Know, like, yeah, I don't want hearing this and then <laughs> hearing all your trade secrets. You know? <laughs> They're like, "Hey, I can do that. Why do I need to listen to this dude? I'll make my own." <laughs> I know. I know. We kind of ran off on tangents, but I wanted to tell you about uh, you know, when we were talking about the uh, corporatization or whatever mm. of radio and, and voice tracking. Yeah. Now I was voice tracking on other stations owned by town square when I was working there. Oh, okay. So I could actually be heard in, uh, let's see, I was in, uh, twin falls, Idaho. I was in, uh, I was in, uh, Abilene. Oh, wow. You know, so I, so I was on some different stations. The funny thing is with, uh, with the classic rock format, that we were on, uh -huh. it was uh, the same, exact same format amongst all the classic rock stations in Town Square. Okay. So the voice tracking you did here on our station that you would hear locally would be the same music 
that you would hear during that time sh time shift in uh, Twin Falls, for example. Oh wow! So how about that? But you'd still have to do a separate show for each market because you're talking about local things and specific things to that area, you know. Yeah, so you were syndicated, basically. That was really cool. Well, yeah, not syndicated where you're like getting syndication money or anything. Oh well, that was my next question. I'm like, hopefully they uh, they compensated you for. <laughs> yeah, they did. I yeah. mean minimally you know you make like 15 bucks a shift or something like that well you think about it i mean you're doing the work of what you know four ten different jocks you know what i mean yeah yeah the, the that's right that like, that's how they eliminate people yeah well i i was <laughs> i was a victim of that at first you know uh before well coming. we yeah we still needed bodies though, you know? <laughs> we still needed people to to be there yeah 24 7 yeah yeah so i just remember stories like the overnight uh, uh we had a girl working on club and there was a mm -hmm. guy working on kicks on the overnight and they would when no one was there overnight they would be chasing each other around and playing footsie and <laughs> oh, bringing a pillow God. in and taking a nap during the, <laughs> during the shift. oh the things that go on <laughs> in an overnight shift <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah but anyway yeah man. no i just wanted to mention the uh we we uh kind of skimmed over it but i wanted to mention the the voice tracking that could be kind of fun yeah i you know i think you could probably and you probably already you mentioned that you're doing it already but i would assume that it would be pretty easy for you to find voiceover work with your experience and you know that that well, timber that you have yeah you would think but there is a shitload of competition out there hmm. so oh yeah Everybody's... it's probably like auditioning for a movie role you know there's <laughs> 150 for every job so it's difficult to find yeah but uh you, you know you find a little bit here and there and hopefully that helps pay the bills there you go well man i uh i really appreciate it i want to uh thank you and and if you ever want to come back man or uh, whenever you launch yours if you need a need a guest or whatever <laughs> i'm always uh, available you know this is uh you, i would love to man i, I appreciate the invitation Thank you so much for listening today. I really, really appreciate that. I uh, also want to thank Adam West for being a guest on the show. It was so much fun talking to him, and I really hope he takes me up on all of my peer pressure to, uh, to start a podcast. I think it would be really great. If he does, you'll definitely hear about it. Until then, if you want to check out my backlog, you can find that at thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. You want to send me an old school email? You can do that at the coffeebuzzpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week.